North Point! Nah, I'm just excited. Hey, I'm glad you found us on one of our four platforms, whether it be YouTube or Facebook or uh, the website or the app. Just glad you're joining us this morning. Friends and, and North Point family and guests, I'm just glad you're here. Uh, hopefully you've taken a minute and already downloaded the North Point app. If you've not done that, go to your app store right now and download that. Lots of great stuff in there, but in particular to this moment is our song lyrics will be in there, and so you can sing along with the songs that are coming. So take a second right now, uh, jump on, download that, uh, open those song lyrics, we'll be ready to sing together. So when we stand together, well, maybe we won't stand together, but we're certainly going to sing. Hey, everybody. We are so happy and excited to come and worship with you again today. And we're going to be sharing in a time of communion this morning. And we're just going to have a great time giving glory and honor and praise to God for who he is and what he's done for us. Do what only you can do. In today's world, I'm sure that many of us feel very alone, very isolated, 
with all the strange headlines and all the strange things going on, every one of us feels as though we're in this alone and that we just have one another along the way. Well, I just wonder in this moment if there isn't a chance for us to remember how isolated and alone Christ felt on the night of the Last Supper. How he must have felt knowing that there were people in the room that would betray him, that would deny him, and that would fall asleep while he asked for them to watch. But once again, we as humans let Jesus down. But what I'm here to say is that today, thankfully, Jesus gave us an opportunity to remember his amazing gift that he gave to us when his body was broken and he died on the cross for us. It was in Matthew when he said, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It's a special gift that he gave us, a special gift he gave us when he died on the cross. And what a great way for us to remember him, to follow in his footsteps and remember his amazing gift to us.
Hey everybody, it's so good to see you here this weekend. As you can see, I am outside right now enjoying what might very well be our very last snowfall of this season. And I know that there are some of you who are probably really happy about that, but I'm telling you that I am really enjoying being outside in this beautiful snow. There's just something beautiful about snow. Um, it I've always felt that way, so I'm enjoying it, and I hope that in some small way you were able to enjoy it this week too. If we were gathered together at North Point at this time, this would be the point in the service where we would have our amazing ushers handing out our welcome books. And um, that's where you would update any information that we need to have and how we can keep you updated about what's going on at North Point. So if you could go to the app right now and click on that Let's Connect button, give us any information that needs to be updated or if you're new to North Point if you would let us know that you were here and give us your information we'll make sure that we let you know that we're thankful that you came and checked us out this weekend also this Sunday is our second Sunday which we do every month but this month we're doing it on the third Sunday because Easter was on the second Sunday so we're holding it on Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We're having a Zoom-style second Sunday. The link is in the app as well as on the website, and you can check it out uh, there. Uh, the second Sunday is just a really good way for you to ask any questions about North Point and meet some of the staff. So I hope that if that's something that would be good for you to join, that you would do it. Thank you so much for worshiping with us this weekend, and I hope that you have a great day. Hey, I'm Sarah Shepard. And I'm Don Shepard. We've been asked to give a little bit of background about our giving story, and it's it's a lot longer than they gave us to talk about it right here. But I will say that when we first came together, we both had a lot of debt. We, we came together from other lives, and we both, both brought a lot of debt into the situation. And Don, being a businessman like he is, he, he didn't see tithing on his uh, spreadsheets. Yeah, it was a tough thing for me to grasp at first. Uh, you know, I was used to going to church and and uh, basically opening my wallet and putting money in the offering plate. That was my tithing. Yeah, a little plop. Um, so we had a sermon somewhere around 2014. Our pastor did a sermon for us. And, of course, he preached on tithing, which makes a lot of people itchy, uh, including at the time Don. It made Don itchy. But um, uh, he was talking about Mal Malachi 3.10 and, and of course, in Malachi 3.10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse uh, so that my house can be fed. Um, and then at the end, it says, and I will bless you. So I prayed about that a lot. And I went to Don and I went, I don't think we're doing this right. He said for me to take us to take care of his house and he'll take care of us. And so he's like, it doesn't make sense on paper. And so, you know, we talked about it some, and we decided that uh, the best way to handle it was to, you know, write four checks, and uh, each Sunday we went to church, and we'd have them pre-written, and we'd put them in the plate. And that worked unless we weren't at church that Sunday. So, I guess a couple of years into that, uh, we realized we weren't dropping it every Sunday, so we started doing online giving. And we've been doing online giving ever since, and that way we don't have the ability to mess with the money. And uh, God has been overly gracious to us in those six years that we've been doing online giving. Yeah, not only not only do we have our money for tithing now, we actually have more than enough to give to other places. And if you can't do online giving, uh, consider text to give. 
uh, text to give is easier for you and you're an electronic person, uh, consider text to give. During finals week of my freshman year in college, my friends and I established a tradition accidentally that, that became kind of a staple for us through each semester that we were in school. I went to a Christian college that uh, at that time had to, it had a code of contact, a set of rules that you had to abide by if you were a student there. They included an 11 o'clock curfew on, on uh, weeknights and a midnight curfew on the weekend. The dorms were not co-ed. They were single-sex dorms. So I lived in a men's dorm with a whole bunch of guys with an 11 o'clock curfew. So let me just paint that picture. If you can imagine what it was like to have a, a building full of guys who had to be in at 11 o'clock and were ready to go out and do whatever, uh, that was the environment. So typically late at night, there would be opportunities where uh, people would be playing cards. They'd be, they'd be uh, doing different kinds of things. Um, oftentimes, it involved a trip to the hospital because of the uh, energy of the guys. But uh, it it was one of those things that really bonded us together. So at the at the end of the first semester of my freshman year, um, a, a group of us that that did a lot of things together uh, studied. You know, we were sleep deprived. We had had multiple finals, and we were ready for our last final. It was the night before the last final that that each of us would have Thursday night, and we decided, you know what, let's play risk at eleven o'clock on Thursday night of finals week. Now, if you know anything about Risk, you know it's a game of strategy. It's a game that is not a, a quick game. And that particular night, it, it was uh, loads of fun. We began to play Risk, and other guys were studying for their last final. And what happened was at uh, 1, 2, 3 in the morning, as guys would get tired of studying, they would come into where we were playing Risk, and they would kibitz. They would watch the game and try and figure out the strategy of, of each person. Ultimately, that game launched the, a tradition for us of the Thomas P. Yetton Memorial Risk Tournament that happened every week, every uh, semester on Thursday night of finals week. We'd start at 11 o'clock and play until the game finished, sometimes 3, 4, 5 in the morning, uh, maybe sleep a little bit, and then go take our final. Um, I love the game of Risk. Because it's this game of strategy where you're all the time trying to decide what kind of moves you need to make at just the right time so that you can dominate the world. It's, uh, it's, it's just a terrific, terrific game. We've been studying the book of Ephesians, looking at the power, uh, the, the word power that's there throughout the book and the concept of the power that's involved that needs to be involved in the life of a follower of Jesus. We've looked at the power of, of knowing Jesus, the power of transformation, the power of identity. Last week, the power of the resurrection and how it uh, changes everything for us. Today's message comes from three words in Ephesians chapter 3 in, in uh, verse 10 and 11. Uh, a little clause that shines light on the strategy of God. Um, uh, clearly, God has a bigger strategy than a risk game. But it, it helps us understand the strategy of God that even um, the angelic beings don't understand. Um, that strategy is incredibly 
relevant for us in this season where we're trying to figure out how to live in the shelter in place, where we're dealing with the, the crisis of the virus, where we're trying to make sense. I want to encourage you today to understand um, that God has a plan through all of this process that includes you. If you've got your Bibles, take them out, uh, turn them to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. We're going to look at the first couple verses, uh, verse 10 and 11, uh, right now. And I want you to listen for the strategy of God and for that three-word phrase that's there. God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold witness of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can I just say, God's plan is crazy. God's plan, his strategy, was that the manifold, the multifaceted wisdom of God would be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Those are angels. Those are angelic beings. There, there are uh, uh, beings that, are, that live in the supernatural world, that they would understand God's wisdom according to the eternal purpose that God had designed through Jesus. Uh, God's wisdom is incredible. It's more than we can comprehend. I, I love the word manifold or the, the, the word um, multifaceted that some, uh, that some translations use. It's, it's like you take the wisdom of God and every time you turn it a little bit, you see him more clearly. You understand more clearly who he is and what his plan is for your life. God had eternity um, in mind from, from the time of sin and, and bringing Jesus to earth to redeem us. But the angels didn't get it, and they didn't understand how all that plan would work until God created the church. He launched the church to help angelic beings understand his wisdom for eternity. Uh, that's crazy. That's a crazy plan. Everything hinged on Jesus. But God's wisdom was revealed through the church. Hear this, God wants North Point. God wants the churches here in mid-Michigan. God wants the churches of the United States and the churches around the world to help angels understand his wisdom. That's crazy. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people that, that say that they love Jesus, but they don't really want any part of the church. Um, maybe, that's, maybe that's you today. This whole shelter-at-home thing is kind of a nice thing because you never willingly would set foot in a church building. So you can, you can participate, you can be encouraged, you can join with the church without ever walking into it. Um, maybe, maybe you've had a bad experience at church in the past. Maybe, maybe you've been around leaders that didn't live out their faith in any kind of consistent way. You saw them uh, lie or cheat or steal. Uh, you saw them, uh, you know, sleep around, whatever it was. Maybe, maybe once you were part of a church and you felt like there was this very judgmental attitude, 
that there was a list of rules, and if you didn't do just according to what the rules were, that, that you were out of the club. Maybe, maybe the church experience you had was that the church really was kind of like a country club, and you were an outsider and excluded. Um, maybe you were part of a church that seemed like it was completely out of touch with culture. And so as a result, you said, I, I don't want any part of that. You said, if that's the way church is, if that's what the, the way that Christians are, I, I just don't want any part of that. If that's your experience or the experience of someone you love, hear me when I say right now, I, I am really sorry about that. That is not what God intended for the church to be. That's not what God wanted your experience with his body, his bride, his group of believers to be at all. Uh, God had in mind, from the beginning of time, this collection of people who would help demonstrate to the angels, to the, to the rulers and the, the spiritual authorities uh, that exist in the heavenly realms, to understand his plan. Don't miss this. The church is a critical part of God's plan. Jesus, when uh, he was with his disciples, at one point in time that they'd been down around the Sea of Galilee, it was hot, and he took them on a, on a, uh, on a trip. They, they hiked for several days and went to Caesarea Philippi, a, a place farther north in Israel that was cool. It was kind of like a little resort place. That, uh, there was a river that ran through, all kinds of things that just made it a much nicer spot. And in that context, at Caesarea Philippi, in Matthew 16, Jesus says to his disciples, who do people think I am? Um, and they, they gave a lot of different answers. And Jesus said, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're, you're the Son of God. And Jesus said, Peter, you're absolutely right. On that, on that truth, on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades won't prevail against it. The church would be the arm that God would use to knock down the gates of hell. Um, Jesus wasn't describing a building. He wasn't describing a place. He wasn't even describing an experience. He was describing an army. Huh. All, all of the power of Satan will not be able to withstand the power of the church that, that God designed. That picture that Jesus gave his disciples was that the church, not that the church would be a defensive fortress, but that it would be an aggressive group that was expanding the kingdom of God. Um, a generation ago, followers of Jesus sang a song. The, you probably know this song. You've probably heard it somewhere. Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banners go. We don't sing that hymn very much anymore. We, we think that it's, that it's too militant, but it's a pretty good picture of what God designed the church to be. Not in the sense of the crusades, not moving out to politically conquer nations, but a collection of individuals committed to the cause of Jesus, driving against the spiritual forces of hell. And hell can't stop the church. Uh, this message, I think, is really challenging for most of us because for most of us, we've thought about the church in the context of a place or a location for most of our lives. We would say, I'm going to church on Sunday. Not anymore. 
not in this season. Nobody's coming to church. For five weeks, we've been having church in our homes like this. Um, so, so now we say, well, I, I said to Deb, are you ready to go watch church? That doesn't sound right. Because to, to experience what God has for us is not about watching a video. Um, we can use technology to worship together. We can share an online experience with people. But if we're going to do church, we've got to be the church. You can't miss how important this is. Um, but later on in this same letter to the church in Ephesus, to the, to the Ephesians, Paul writes these words, and he's teaching husbands how to love their wives, how to respond to their wives. We're going to talk about this in several weeks. But listen to how Christ, how the relationship of Christ in the church is described. This is Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What was Paul describing? He was describing Jesus being willing to die for the church, for the people who make up the body of Christ so that they could experience spiritual transformation in their life, that they would be changed from holy, from unholy to holy, from filthy to clean, from ashamed to radiant, from scarred and wrinkled and covered with acne to pure and holy and perfect. The church is this group of people connected together and committed to the transforming power of Jesus, following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, committed to the mission of Jesus. When that happens, the rulers and spiritual authorities gasp with surprise at the wonder of God's nature. They sit and watch and say, God, I had no idea that you could do that, that that, that, that would describe your character, your nature. They're, they're like the characters who surround the risk game and say, boy, I didn't see that strategy coming. I see what he's doing now. Oh, that all makes perfect sense. It's critical for us to understand when we think about the power of the church, that the church is much bigger than North Point. The church is made up of people committed to following Jesus wherever he leads, to to being transformed by him however he sees, sees fit, to pursuing the mission of Jesus no matter where where he might take us. The church extends around the world and throughout history. Even though you're sitting at home today, sheltering in place, you're part of a worldwide massive movement of followers of Jesus. You're connected with followers of Jesus from China and Zimbabwe and Panama and Iceland and France and Syria. You're connected with followers of Jesus in Dallas and Los Angeles and Sioux City, Iowa. You're, you're committed, you're connected to followers of Jesus in East Lansing and Ann Arbor and yes, even in Columbus. We're part of a movement of, that, that includes disciples of Jesus that meet together at Trinity and at Faith and at Riverview and at Redeemer and at DeWitt Christian, and at Believer's Church in in Eagle. We're part of the body of Christ, the church, and we've got to be on the same page demonstrating the power of God to change lives, 
rather than focusing on our preferences and differences. On an even smaller level, many of us who are sharing together right now are part of North Point Community Church, a church that's been here for 180 years in the same community, being a light for Jesus here in this place. We've developed friendships and a deep love for each other as we serve Jesus and are transformed by him together. On an even smaller level, as you you just keep moving from the world down to, to where we are, if you're involved in a life group here at North Point, and we hope that you are, um, that's your body of believers that's helping you grow, that's encouraging you, that's keeping you on track. That's your little part of God's church. Let, let me be clear. The power of the church comes from being connected to each other, pursuing the mission of Jesus. The historian Luke described that first church in Acts 2, uh, uh, this description that he wrote describes what the church was like in the, in the first few months after Jesus' resurrection. It says this in Acts 2, uh, the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with, wa- with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let me be clear. God's strategy for the church demands engagement. That's where the power of the church is. If you're standing on the sidelines, if, if you're connecting each Sunday for a spiritual fix, but you're not really interested in growing, you're not really interested in, in um, building relationships and, and that can help challenge you to follow Jesus in a greater way, you're not really a part of the church. You're a spectator. If you have questions, if you're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, if, if you're taking steps towards him, but they're baby steps because you're not sure that you're all in yet, uh, absolutely be here, discover, investigate, pursue Jesus as he pursues you. But if, you're, but if you've been in that place for months or years, standing on the sidelines, don't, don't let Satan fool you. You're a spectator and not a part of the church. Um, Where's the power of the church? It is in people who are transformed by Jesus, who are committed to each other, who are pursuing the mission of Jesus. Man, we need worship. We need to be renewed and encouraged. We, But we need to act We need to put our faith into action. We need to be aggressively pursuing the gates of hell. The power of the church is not a place. It's not a building. It's not a brand. It's not a personality. It's not an institution. The power of the church is not a political agenda. It's uh, it's not um, uh, an organization that hoards its resources. It's not not a place where people... um, Who's, that, that's made up of people whose lives are all together, that they don't have any flaws, that, they, that, they're, that everything's perfect. The power of the church 
is that it's a collection of broken people. People whose lives have been transformed and are being transformed by Jesus. The power of the church is that it's a place that comforts those who are afflicted and it afflicts those who are comfortable. The power of the church is in being a place that cares about the people who are not a part of it as much or more than it cares about the people who are a part of it. The power of of the church is in being drawn to Jesus, not to your own likes and dislikes, your own preferences. If, If you want to be a part of a church with power, what do you do with today's message? Um, What do you do do with today's message? The first thing is this. If you haven't yet, yield control of your life to Jesus. Give him the keys to your life. Let him be in charge and say, I'm going to go wherever you want. Jesus, I want you to transform my life. The second thing that uh, that I would encourage you to do, if you want to be a part of a church with power, you want that in you, is to get and stay connected Um, At North Point, we talk all the time about life groups and how important that is. Let me just say, in this season, your connection to your life group is absolutely critical, even if it's only happening through Zoom or through phone calls or through uh, 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 text message or whatever it is. Your connection to your life group is critical. If you're not connected to a group, we've got some groups starting that maybe you can connect there, or maybe you can still join a group even right now. You know, one of the things that's driving me crazy is uh, we don't know right now about people who have financial needs because they've lost their job if they're not connected to a group because that's not information that would bubble up except through a life group. You've got to be connected. The third thing is this. Um, if you want to be a power, part of a church with power, uh, you need to be a soldier and take it to the enemy. Uh, you need to start talking about how Jesus is changing your life. Understand this. This is not about witnessing. It's not about evangelism, if you will. It's simply being willing to talk about the way that Jesus is working in you, about the changes that he's making in your life, about the fact that you're different than who you used to be and why. Fourth thing is this. Be committed to the mission of Jesus. Stand up for justice where there's injustice. Um, Next weekend, give blood, not because it's a good thing to do and that's what the community should do, that kind of thing, but because you have this sense of of call from Jesus to make a difference in the lives of people around you in any way that you can. And so give in blood, even though it's scary, that's something that you can do that can change lives. The fifth thing that you can do, if you want to be part of a church with power, is to pray. Pray for each other. Pray for the church. Pray for the church universal and pray for North Point. Pray for Redeemer. Pray for First Baptist. Pray for Riv. Pray for Trinity. Pray for DeWitt Christian. Pray for the Lutherans, for the Presbyterians, for the Methodists. Pray that God would show himself through each body of Christ here in our area. The sixth thing is to, is to if you want to be a part of a church that's filled with power, is to approach God with freedom and confidence. I don't know if you read ahead in the scripture or not, but but listen to to what um, what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. God's plan was that now through the church, the manifold witness of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to the eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Him, in Christ, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. 
you want to be a part of a church with power, understand that you have the ability to talk to God as his son in this level of boldness and intimacy. God may not give you everything that you want, but you have the ability as his child because of Jesus to talk with him and not be afraid, to talk with him about the things that you struggle with, to talk with him about the things that you need, to talk with him about the things that are on your heart. Last thing is this, don't be discouraged by your circumstances. Um, God's, God's plan means that, his strategy means that we don't have to be discouraged by our circumstances. Um, Paul says in, in verse 13, I ask you therefore, don't be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Paul said to the church in Ephesus, Ephesus yeah, I'm in prison, but don't let that, don't focus on the things around you. Don't let that get you down. God's got this under control. For us right now, there, there is a uh, challenge to focus so much on the circumstances that we're living in, all the things that we can't do, that it just becomes this burden for us, that, that, that we're overwhelmed by it. Um, don't be discouraged by your circumstances. You want to be part of a church with power? Look to Jesus. Um, how, how hard it must have been for that church in the first century to recognize that their spiritual mentor was in prison and there wasn't anything that they could do about it. Paul said, look to Jesus. He's where the power is. Uh, Even after I graduated from college, I had a group of friends that I played risk with uh, semi-regularly. I I love that game. Have I said that? Um, You know, if you like the game of Risk, you can actually just send a comment in the North Point Facebook page for whatever it's worth and say you want to play. And when all this season is done, we're going to have a big Risk tournament for everybody who likes to play. Why, why do I think Risk is the greatest game in the world? It's because with every turn, you weigh the risk and reward of the moves that you'll make. Do I fortify my borders or do I t- attack and try and take a continent? Do I put all of my armies in one place in, uh, to create a super army or do I spread them across the globe? Risk and reward. There's a reason why the game is called risk. God's plan was filled with risk. It it, it was crazy. And it's completely dependent upon us following Jesus. If we don't, God's plan fails. If we do, the world sees the church as a beautiful place of transformation, a place of grace, a place of justice. And the angels in heaven understand God's nature even more clearly. I am so grateful, so grateful to be a part of the body of Christ here at North Point. Because that's what God is doing here. He's changing lives. He's demonstrating his grace through his people here. And he's developing people who stand for justice in the world as Jesus' hands and feet. The power of the church, it surprises even angels. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the chance to just study your word and to recognize your strategy, your plan, your intent uh, that, that would use us to show your wisdom, your character, your nature to the world. Help us find out, figure out, pursue how we can do that even now 
as we shelter in home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day, North Point. Know that you are loved. We'll talk soon.